Welcome, family, to another episode of Simply Champagne with your favorite champagne sommelier here, Cornelius Anthony Jr. And today we are continuing our champagne campaign, and we are now traveling to the Windy City, the beautiful city of Chicago, Illinois. This bar here needs no introduction. It is the oldest active champagne bar in the United States. It has a rich history and a legacy that has stood the test of time. This revered establishment has graced the pages of magazines locally, domestically, and internationally captivating audiences, audiences, I'm sorry, near and far. We'll uncover his great story, his influences on the champagne industry, and its enchanting experience it offers to his patrons. Today, we have the care owner, Mr. Craig Carafalo, and Mr. Champagne Jesus himself, Mr. Michael Seward, who is the wine director of Pops Champagne Chicago. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having us on. We're excited to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Seeing that you guys in Chicago, I have to start the conversation with a very simple sports question because I'm from St. Louis. So, Chicago, are the Cubs or White Sox? Well, Michael and I are both from the East Coast originally, but if we're going to stick to Chicago, I'm, I'm voting Cubs. That would be a second vote for the Cubs as well. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I, I'm, I'm a die, I'm a diehard Cardinals fan through and through. We having a rough season this year, but hey, it's we was due for one anyway do for one anyway so all right guys getting started can you tell us a bit about the history and the origins of pop champagne and how did it all begin so the the story begins with the founder uh tom verhe um back in the day he went on a you know a little personal holiday and he was in uh austria um and just stumbled upon a a, a little bar um and it was the you know the kind of defining moment for pops um, you know, it was a little champagne bar. There was a jazz influence. And it was something that he immediately fell in love with, you know, on his on his vacation. Um, the second he got off the plane back home in Chicago, he uh, put in notice at his nine to five office job and said, I'm doing this and uh, and dove in head first. Um, and that's kind of how the, the pop story begins. So uh, back in the 80s, pops originally opened uh, up in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago. Um, and it's been been a bubbly history ever since. Um, you know, Mike was fortunate. You know, we're, we're very fortunate to have someone like Michael Seward with us. Um, he's been at Pops for almost 27 years now. So nice. he can explain some more of the history of the, uh, the old Pops um, and, and how things have changed over time. But the focus has always been on champagne, its beauty, and sharing that with as many people as we can. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, how did uh, how does it feel being known around the country? It's like the flagship champagne bar of the United States. Everybody I know, whether a champagne bar owner or a true champagne connoisseur, always brings up the name Pop Chicago. If there's a champagne bar in the country, you have to go check out for sure. It is definitely you guys. How does it feel to have that that recognition? It, it's pretty cool, and it's something that you know isn't always on our forefront every day. And, and when it's brought up to us, we step back and, and really, you know, you look at the totality of the situation and, and the amount of people that we've been able to expose to some of the differences in beauty in this product. It's uh, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, you know, I can let Michael kind of talk more about 
how that has influenced his time at Pops. But, you know, it, it's an honor. Um, you know, we're fortunate that you know, we're in a fantastic city. We have fantastic clientele and we've had some of the best of the best um, work with us who've been successful in opening their own champagne bars out in the world as well. Um, but a lot of it, I mean, it just goes back to the growers, it goes back to the, the basic of the bubbles and just sharing that love. Um, so we've been fortunate to be on that ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I would just say it's extremely humbling to hear you even say that, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to work with a product and very lucky to work with a product that sort of speaks for itself, uh, no matter where it lies. Um, we're just sort of an ambassador for, uh, for that product. You know, we, we try and do the best we can to represent the, the heart and soul that the producers, the, the vine growers, the winemakers and everybody over in Champagne puts into Champagne. Uh, and we try and bring that to our little little city of Chicago here the best we can do. Awesome. Awesome. So for both of you guys, what inspired you to specialize in Champagne? Are there any particular regions, sub-regions of Champagne that you guys prefer? I mean, Champagne is, is the history of everything that we've always done here at, at Pops. Um, you know, it, as tastes and trends, and I don't necessarily want to say trends, as tastes um, and focus has evolved. Obviously, we've evolved with it. Um, you know, Mike, when do you think the exact day was that the focus really shifted towards the growers um, and really highlighting some new people that are coming into the champagne market? I would, I would say uh, in the history of Pops, we had a significant uh, move to the downtown area. We were in a neighborhood called uh, Lakeview for a long time, for the first 25 years of existence. And then uh, about 16, 17 years ago, we moved downtown into the heart of the, the, the city of Chicago and River North. And on that move, we were able to do almost like a reset, almost similar to Chicago with a rebuild of the city after the fire. You know, you were able to sort of perfect uh, what maybe you didn't do on the original go around. And that was a, a very distinct moment where uh, the focus really drove into smaller producer wines and education and really getting the message across and just, you know, the, the plight of this small producer, what they actually go through versus maybe somebody who's a little more uh, uh, financially uh, fortunate and, and capable of uh, putting some marketing teams out there and, and assembling wine that's easily distributed and represented around the world. Some of the small producers back, you know, in the early 2000s didn't see as much light as maybe everyone else. So it was really fun to bring that message. And I think that was sort of our focus at the time. Good, good deal. So what makes Pops Champagne um, unique in the Chicago area? Champagne is often associated with celebration and special occasions. How you create an atmosphere that enhances the experience of enjoying Champagne at Pops? So for us, you know, something that, you know, anybody that has dealt in, in fine wine, um, but in particular Champagne has always dealt with is there, you know, there's a lot of fear from a consumer front. Um, you know, you come in, there's a, a lot of names that you may or may not have ever heard, um, and you're not as exposed to some of these products on a daily basis, especially champagne. You know, as you say, most people think of it um, as a celebration beverage and not something that, you know, the beauty should be enjoyed on a daily, weekly basis, as, you know, maybe all, all of us on this uh, podcast might, might agree to. So, you know, we really take the honest approach of, being here and being ambassadors for champagne and sparkling wine in the best way that we can, which is just being honest and truthful um, to ourselves. But, 
you know, not adding the levels of pretension and snobbery that a lot of outsiders often think of um, when you talk about the world of wine and especially some fine wine. Um, so we're just here to share the beauty and the love of the product and we'll share as many details and fun tidbits that we have about each of the wines um, just to, you know, expose everyone to it. Yeah, nice. I think just to add on to Craig, I, I think he nailed it there that um, a lot of times there's uh, a little bit of, of leeriness or, or a feeling of uncertainty when you go into a place uh, that is known for having real expensive, which champagne can tend to be, or real fine wines. And, and I think taking it down to a very casual level is part of what we do best. You know, we are, we are an experience of a, of a, you know, a watering hole or a bar or a lounge first. And it's, it's, it's always about the line in the end, but I think just creating a very, uh, a community atmosphere with our guests and uh, a lot of interaction and making them feel really welcome sort of breaks that initial barrier down of, Oh gosh, you know, when you're paging through a menu that may have some daunting numbers or some unknown wines, you know, it makes it a little bit more comfortable. And then you sort of grow with ease. You see a lot of other people around enjoying themselves and it, it becomes uh, less of, uh, you know, less of an intimidating experience. Understood. Understood. Pops has gained a recognition and acclaim for his killer wine list. How do you guys curate the champagne selection to offer the best experience for your customers? Um, I, I'd say that I think uh, first and foremost, we try and make Pops a very unique experience. You know, I think champagne these days, as opposed to when I first started in the business, is a lot more common, meaning it's available in a lot more uh, and offered in a lot more places than it used to be. Uh, what we try and do here, I think, is make sure that we are on a, not to say a trend setting uh, moment, but I mean, we like to keep up with what's current and we like to bring and make available what maybe is not as available to, to the general public. Uh, so we try and seek out wines that are, <clears throat> you know, favorable to us and also to, to the guest experience themselves and try and take them on a journey that maybe they haven't been down before. Um, you know, focusing on new producer, new producers, trends in the market, maybe a grape that's new or, or uh, you know, being featured now. I, we have a, a certain thing that we've been doing uh, as of late, a full Meunier menu. So nice. we're 100% uh, Meunier producers in coordination with full moons that are happening. Um, and, and it's just sort of a, a fun experience, but also, you know, keeping it different from what everyone else is doing for sure. But we also, without a doubt, the guest is the most important person in this room. So, you know, listening to what they're looking for and making sure that we're finding those or making those, uh, those needs uh, satisfied is, is, is at the top of the list. I always tell people this. I really believe that Meunier is the grape for the American palate. It is just the the notes behind it is freshness, it's natural sweetness on on the palate. I think just really and its youthfulness. I think really coincides with with the American palate for sure, for sure. Um, uh, moving right along. Um, we need, to book, need to book you on a flight for Thursday then, because we have our next full Meunier menu on Thursday. No, I I would be there. I'm going to send you a copy of the menu that was hand done by one of our uh, one of our servers here. Nice, nice. What are some common misconceptions or myths about champagne that you frequently encounter uh, with customers, and how do you address them? You know, I, I would say one of our most frequent um, that we see almost every day is you know we we obviously keep our by the glass list very up to date. You know, it changes on a weekly basis. Um, but people that may be just coming in to enjoy sparkling wine and, and may not be as um, fortunate as we are to taste as often, 
uh, the first thing they sit down is, oh, well, you know, I don't want anything that's sweet. Oh, uh, you know, which one of these is not sweet? Um, now, of course, while we always feature, feature a demi-sec or something on the sweeter swap side, everybody kind of still comes in with that old pre, you know, pre, um, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say there, but preconceived conception that, you know, champagne is a sweet wine or that the majority right. of champagnes are sweet. Um, and that's obviously just not the case. Um, so we, we walk people through and that's one of our favorite things to do is walk people through the differences in the, you know, seven or eight by the glasses that we have that day or walking, walking people through the different sections um, where we're highlighting the different subregions of champagne um, and really just kind of broadening their horizons to everything else that's going on out there. That would be my first, Michael. I'm sure you see a lot more on the front lines, but I mean, I I, I think that uh, the the notion that champagne is just uh, something of a celebratory situation is is one of the biggest ones, and and sort of getting people to understand that champagne is a very versatile wine. Um, you know, first and foremost, that it's also able to be paired with tons of different uh, gourmet uh, experiences and, and dining experiences. Um, and, it, and its versatility really shows, you know, there's uh, something very unique about it. So I think just basically trying to take people from, you know, oh, we're not celebrating anything to, oh, we could have a glass of champagne. It's just a Tuesday. Like, why wouldn't we? It's, it's a superior wine to, to all else in my mind, but, uh, you know, or on, on par with, uh, you know, the, the best wines in the world. And, and we're featuring that particular category on a regular daily basis. Nice. That's, that's, I'll probably say I have to agree wholeheartedly with what you guys are saying. It's trying to get the customer to understand that champagne and wine is, is it going coincide together. Champagne is a wine first and foremost, but customers typically try and put it in two different levels. I like still wine and I like bubbles. And, you know, they're, they're different as far as like the, the, the process of making them. But at the end of the day, it still is a wine. So you should recognize it and appreciate it as much as you like, like a Sauvignon Blanc or, you know, a Chardonnay or Pinot Noir as well. Going into the next set, when you just briefly talked about this, about food and wine pairings, what are some of your favorite champagne food pairings? Or what is like some uncommon things that you would pair with champagne that customers may not, or the consumer may not, may not know about? Uh, for myself, um, without a doubt, I have two things that I uh, live and die for with champagne, and it is uh, oysters and fried chicken. And I think those are, those are probably pretty common, uh, uh, you know, themes for, for people these days. I don't think they were, you know, a long time ago or 15, 10, 15 years ago, but I think people recognize now the, you know, that sort of crispy, crunchy fried chicken, the salt and a little bit of the grease and how champagne has this wonderful way of really enhancing the flavors and richening it, richening the experience and also sort of cleansing the palate after each bite. Uh, it's really unique. And then I'm, I'm an East coast guy. I grew up on the ocean and, uh, I truly love oysters as if they were potato chips. I eat them. So uh, that those two things are my favorites. Definitely mine as well. Yeah. Definitely mine as well. For me, education has always been key to the success of an establishment. How do you guys keep up with the forever changing trends of champagne and keep your staff in the loop on what's going on in the champagne marketplace? So we're, we're, you know, incredibly fortunate to have some of the purveyors that we have. So, you know, a lot of times they are always bringing um, all of the new champagnes, things that may not be on the list this year, They're bringing things by for us constantly on a daily, weekly basis to taste. So, you know, whenever Michael is sitting down with the tasting, everybody is always invited to, you know, pull by the table and, and have a glass and join in the conversation to learn about 
X, Y, and Z producer and continue. Um, obviously, you know, we're fortunate that we change through our by the glass list as often as we do and have such a depth of champagne there that we're always getting to see new producers that may have been on the list for a little bit or are different, uh, different cuvées of theirs are coming on the list. But then, you know, we, we hang out together. We try new wine all the time, you know, on a personal level, on a professional level, we meet every month. You know, we go through different exercises. We run through the new additions to the menu. We taste as much as we can. Um, you know, we like to try to keep things exciting right now as a group. We're, we're starting to read um, Champagne by Peter Liam, doing a little book club. Yes. Uh, we just finished a, a cool class. The CIVC invited us to take their online course. So we did that as a team. Um, you know, we just continue to taste and drink as much as we can. Um, and then Michael, obviously... Um, you know, doing all of the buying uh, has had a, a quite the opportunity to travel to Champagne as often as possible and meet with all the individual growers um, and really get a sense for who they are and what they do. Um, it brings those stories and those photographs and those tales home to us, which obviously really just enhances the experience even that much further. Awesome. Awesome. Going back to the business side real quick, as we know, the pandemic was a very uh, was a very tragic thing, but also a very inspirational thing for all of us in the world, whether you're in hospitality or any profession. How did you guys survive during COVID? And um, how was that experience for you guys at Pops? Uh, I mean, it was not fun. <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, in the world would say that COVID was fun. But, uh, you know, obviously talking to people in our industry, you know, it, it, it did affect us pretty obviously negatively with the, the long closures, the inability to be with our regulars and, and produce our craft. You know, being a champagne bar is not really something you can do online or over a Zoom call. Um, so, you know, it was difficult. You know, we stayed together as a team and, and we're as supportive as we can. Um, on the business side, um, you know, we've always done a monthly kind of educational class where we try to get together, bring our regulars in, taste through some different wines, whether that be a singular house or, you know, a singular purveyor. Um, and we had the opportunity to really, we did take it online and, and do Zoom um, champagne tastings. And it was something that was really cool and exciting and fun. Um, you know, we would be here, we'd sell all these packages to go. Um, and what made that more exciting is that, you know, it's something we still continue to do to this day, but during COVID, we were so fortunate to have all of the winemakers themselves jump on the Zoom class with us. So whether it was, uh, you know, Cedric Mousset one week, um, Rafa Baresh, we had, uh, I mean, there were, there was a lot of, it we was, had a lot of fortunate experiences. Which was incredible, you know, for ourselves and, and 30 of our regulars to sit down and, and be able to open four bottles of wine and taste through them with, you know, not only us who we didn't get to see, you know, face to face as often, but with the real winemaker, um, really have that educational um, experience. And it was just, it was something that was amazing. And it's, you know, we were so fortunate to have the connections that we do to make those things happen. Um, nice. So that was, that was how we made it through. Yeah, we had, I mean, to say, we had Cedric Mousset start our first one off by riding a Segway through his vineyards, holding his cell phone, showing the, the guests, you know, the wow. pictures taking us and then continuing the interview while he was on his segue going back to his house into the you know into the cave into the press room into the 
I mean, it was just, it was otherworldly. So for somebody, I, I mean, for the guests, for people who have never been to Champagne, it was probably one of the highlights of, of, you know, that little day of COVID being at home, not doing anything. It was, it's kind of, it was incredible for me, you know, and I've been there a bunch of times. That definitely sounds like Cedric for sure. He definitely has a yes. very open, bubbly personality. Love that about him. Love that about him. So um, moving right along. So what is your favorite champagne on your menu right now? Oh, wow. That changes on a daily, weekly, monthly, minute by minute basis. I can believe it. Yeah. I can believe it. Is it the one somebody else is paying for, I think? <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I understand that as well. So, all right. If Champagne could talk, honest question, funny question, but honest question. If Champagne could talk, what would you think Champagne would say to the people that drink it? Ooh, I think they would say, breathe, enjoy the experience, <laughs> slow down, you know, uh, uh, really, really savor the moment, savor life. You know, that's what Champagne is a, is a wine that really presents a, a unique, I think, perspective when you start to drink it. And if you just slow down and, and take a few breaths and enjoy it, uh, you really find there's a really, really layered, rich wine in there. Yes. Yes. I totally, totally agree for sure. Totally, totally agree for sure. So what is you guys unicorn champagne? Maybe it's a champagne you tried once or something that's on your list, something that you're seeking out to try and find. What is the unicorn champagne that you are trying to have? Well, I can, I, I'll give you one. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be in the champagne game for a long time. And uh, I've, I've had a lot of incredible experiences from ones over in champagne with producers, popping bottles from birth years from their siblings or their children and uh, really, really wonderful, wonderful times. But I was fortunate enough to be gifted by uh, uh, Craig and Andy, our owners, a bottle of uh, Pierre Peters uh, Rudolph's heritage wine. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, it's a unicorn wine in that uh, I have not had it, but it's even more difficult because I actually have it in my possession but I can't bring myself to grips to open the bottle. So I still have not had it, even though I've owned it for several years. It is in my, my possession. I just cannot take myself to drinking it just yet. Understood. I'm pretty sure when the right moment presents itself, that would be the first thing that would be on your mind. Yes. Without, without a doubt. Do you guys have any upcoming events or collaboration that you guys are excited about? And what can we look forward to in the future? Yeah, I, we, we try to keep things as fresh as possible and, and like Michael touched on earlier, the, the full Mounier parties are, are just kind of the tip of the iceberg for some of the things that we love to do just to bring in more exciting people. Um, tonight, there's a really cool group here in Chicago um, called Champagne Happy Hour that's been hosting a lot of events um, pre-COVID. And then this summer, they've really kind of come back um, and they partnered with us to do a couple of, um, you know, Monday evening by the glass takeovers. Um, so we're merging that this evening with something that we love to do on certain Mondays, which is Magnum Mondays, where we just pick a Magnum out of the cellar and we're going to pop it and sell it by the glass because who doesn't love to drink wine out of a Magnum? Absolutely. Um, so tonight we're doing a little combo of that. So we have one, two, three, four. We have six different Magnums of champagne that we're serving by the glass tonight. Wow. Uh, so that's going to be a good one. Um, and then the, the monthly tasting series that we still do. This weekend we had... Um, a really great event. Um, it was one of 
I mean, they're all my favorite. I shouldn't say that, but um, we're able to feature some really cool new um, producers coming to the Illinois market and give some exposure there. We tasted through um, some Don Relay. We tasted through H. Um, so just continuing to do those. And then Mike and I, right before the call started, we're, uh, we're trying to figure out our plans for International Champagne Day coming up at uh, the end of October. So yes. that'll be a big one for us. We don't know what we want to do yet, but it's, it's going to be big. Awesome. 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 So with the legacy that you guys possess, what advice would you give to future champagne bar owners? Be true to yourself and, and the market that you're in. Um, you know, not everybody is going to be coming in and drinking, you know, magnums of 2002 Krug every day. Um, as much as we'd all love to, I would Thanks. love to. Um, that's, that's not what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, be true to yourself and be true to the market that you're in and, and just enjoy the different wines that are available. And obviously, you know, anyone in wine will tell you this, the more that you learn, the more that you know, you don't know enough. So taste anything and everything on a daily basis and share that with people. Um, you know, a lot of times you've got to just just experience everything and expose everybody to all the different flavors and, and let everybody else tell you how they want you to continue. Um, you know, building a proper wine list isn't about the wines that you love. It's being able to present wines to people that they're going to love in that experience and that moment that they're having that day. I think also, you know, have it, uh, it's, have it be about the wine as opposed to about it being a business decision to try and make money. You know, it, it tends to, to show through when your heart's behind something and it's really the passion and what you, you know, what you love in life versus this is my next business adventure to, to try and make the next buck or two. You know, you go over to Champagne and you experience the Champenois and their, their love for the region and their, you know, how tied they are to perfection and, and making the best possible product. And you experience that and you come back and, you know, try and bring that message, like I said earlier, to whatever you're doing versus saying, you know, hey, man, this is our next great business venture. You know, when your love is in is in the wine, it's uh, that's what it's about. Good deal. Good deal. So this is my last question before I let you guys go, because I know you guys have a busy day ahead of you guys. What do you guys what would you guys like to see pops five years from now? You know, there's not much that I don't think I would change. I want to see us to be in the same place. Um, doing the same thing every day, which is just enjoying the beauty of the product and exposing that to as many people as we can. Um, yeah, blessed with the same yeah. group of people that that keep us keep the lights on here, you know, week in and week out, coming in our regulars and and new faces, uh, our guests that are here. You know, a full room is a full heart. Nice, nice, nice. One more thing before we go: Is there any famous celebrity? um story you guys would like to tell and what the, if it is what were they drinking or what did you guys gravitate them towards if you have one I, I don't think i have one off the top of my head i know michael has an old story that was funny but it doesn't really involve the wine yeah i mean there, there have been so many great experiences I'll, i would say one of my favorites and one of the most you know i i tend to not recognize uh when people come in the room i i think of everybody as just you know myself or my neighbor and but uh, we did have the, uh, the, the uh, going away party from Michelle Obama here that was uh, quite an experience. And to nice. be around 
somebody of her stature and, you know, really just a magnet. She is uh, an unbelievably beautiful human being that presents herself in such a professional and an amazing way. It was, uh, you know, I, to, to say what she was drinking that day, I, I don't know. I was just so mesmerized and it, it rarely happens to me. I, I, I can, I can, I would probably be the same exact way for sure. I, I totally understand it. So going away party for Michelle Obama, that is, that is awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. And if you guys are in the Chicago area family, please stop by one of my favorite places in the country to go to for champagne. Pops Chicago. Thank you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for having us. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Dante, pleasure to, pleasure to be on with you. Absolutely. You guys have a great afternoon.